Good day to all our listeners and welcome to the Temba Tandega Leadership Institute podcast, specialists in organizational behavior. In this podcast, we discuss leadership and staff engagement and how organizations can improve on both. It is simple economics. If leaders focus on staff engagement, their people stick around in their organization. If they stick around, they build better relationships with customers and provide a superior service. This leads to satisfied customers who become repeat customers and advocates for your business, which leads to exponential growth and profitability. If you want to increase profitability through staff engagement, stick around and listen to this podcast. We will focus on themes from Herman Duplessis' book titled Lead with Intent. Herman is the founder and director of TTLI. Links of where you can buy the book are available in the description area of this podcast. Good day, everybody, and welcome to the next uh, episode of our podcast. Um, As you know, we're working through the book, Lead with Intent. And today we're going to dive into the principle of innovation. Uh, We're going to look at practices like um, experimentation, uh, how to fail fast, curiosity, And then the impact on culture is learning and progress. So when I thought about who to interview for this principle, the person who immediately came to mind was Dion Rahman. And I think the only reason for that was basically just the way that Dion has learned and progressed in life and in his career. It's quite an inspirational story. Um, And I've had the privilege to journey with Dion since 2008. So Dion is the head of internal protection services, security, physical security uh, at Stanabank. And um, he uh, is busy with a doctorate in business administration at Da Vinci. Um, And we'll talk more about that later. So Dion, welcome. Thanks for making the time being on the podcast. Thank you, Herman. It's good to be here. So, Dion, let's start with your story, your life story. I mean, it's so inspirational. Uh, where did you grow up? Look, Herman, um, I've, I've grown up in Chatsworth. It's an Indian township. And um, born in 1971. Okay. Grew up from 1971 in, in Chatsworth. It just was a good experience because you don't experience the suburbs. You, you experience the township life. Yeah. And um, so you went to school there. So basically, up until the age of 18, Chatsworth, that's where you grew up. That's what you knew. Uh, tell us about school. How was school for you? That was quite challenging. <laughs> and um, when I was in primary school, I remember we did, a, we, we did the... Um, coming to my mind now. Your aptitude test. Yeah, your aptitude yeah. test. Yeah. yeah, the aptitude test. <laughs> and so so I think you know, I was in standard four. At that time, we didn't have grades. We had standards. Yeah. So I think I was in standard four, and it came out very low. Okay. Below average. So ironically, in school, in that, those years, they put you in terms of your, your grading. How did you okay. perform? And I, I was put in... Uh, average grade okay so out of five grades uh, a b c d e i was in a d okay so 
So just based on that amplitude test. Okay. And your, your high school, how did that go? Also not very well. Okay. Yes, I was a bit of a lazy individual. <laughs> and um, I remember a few teachers, not one, not two, yeah. a few teachers telling me that you're stupid. Yeah. You'll never get a job yeah. if you continue performing that way. Yeah. And I remember my matric teachers walked in a class one day and he says, with the exception of Dion, who else doesn't do the homework? <laughs> so, yeah, that was quite funny at the time. And uh, very playful, very immature. Yeah. But more importantly, you know, those words really impacted me going forward in life. Yeah. You stupid. You wouldn't find a job. So would you say you believed those words? Yes, I did. Okay. I strongly believed those words because it came from an academic person. Yeah. A very educated person. Not person, and people. somebody who has authority. Yeah? Yes, somebody, somebody who you look up to. Exactly. Who has a major influence in your life, mm. who's been through them all, mm. academically, and they, and and I actually believed that I was stupid. And teachers were 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 seen as quite prominent in those societies back in the day. Hey? No, absolutely, because again, coming from my background in in the township background, <clears throat> um, even teachers looked down at individuals. Even teachers look down at families and they often made remarks, you'll be just like your father, just like society. Yeah. yeah. So um, you, have, you have a story you tell about a math teacher as well, you know, and then you always had this mental block about maths. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I remember one day he <clears throat> called me towards the board and um, I wasn't too well that day mm. and I had to work out an equation and I was keep on stumbling. And he carried on throwing remarks at me, you know, breaking, you down. breaking me Oof. down. And so that really blocked my, my, my maths. You yeah. know? Anything with numbers, it, I just blocked. Um, I, go, I used to go in a freeze when I see a number yeah. just because of what happened in the past. So I remember when you did your MBA. Oh, yes. <laughs> when you did... Um, what is it? A analytics, eh? What What is that subject called? Uh, Quantitati statistics. Quantitative methods. Yeah, and, yeah. and statistics and stuff. You said to me, hey, I'm so stressed out about this. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And but you passed. Well no, done. I passed because uh, with, in, a, in an MBA, we form groups. Yeah. And, and in your groups, I confess that I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> but I had some good support from yeah. my... My, my peers in, yeah, in the group. In the group. And they took me step by step through. And by the way, when I was in Standard 8, I didn't take maths as my subject. Okay. So you dropped maths, basically. I dropped maths because... When you chose subjects in, in Standard 8, now yes. Grade 10, eh? Yes, because, wow. of, because of my fear of numbers. Unbelievable. And I mean, now you work spreadsheets and budgets in a big oh, yes. corporate like like it's uh, it's nothing, eh? Yeah, but technology makes it easy for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for Excel. <laughs> uh, so, Dion, what happened after school? So, what kind of career, what kind of uh, outlook did you have for your life once you finished high school? Uh, you know, like you explained it to us. So, so Herman, I did a few odds and end jobs, and um, in with within, you know, I grew up in Durban in Chatsworth. So, a few odds and end jobs. I worked in a shoe company, 
in stores, you know, just manual work and so forth. Okay. Yeah. Did you do sales? <clears throat> no, I didn't. Okay, so you were an operations guy. I was more of an operations thing. You know, okay. taking, always taking the easy route out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. And then in um, 1993, I joined the security company. Okay. Doing what? So, <laughs> I, I joined the security company as a guard. Okay. So, I went through the foundation phase, went to the training for three weeks just to be a guard. So can you remember what your first weekly wages were? Can you remember? It was a monthly. Uh, a monthly, month, okay. Yeah, it was 800 rand a month. <clears throat> no, man. Yes, it was 800 rand a month, being a god. And to me, that was a lot of money. Yeah. Because it's how you spend the money as well. And so when did you get married then? It was also in 1993. Okay. So, yeah. when, so when you became a security guard, that's when you married as well? Herman, uh, I was married before, was a security guard. Okay, company. okay. So by default, I I had to find a job, and I had to find a job quickly. Okay. So, hence I applied to be a security guard. Okay. Herman, being a security guard, I loved every moment of it. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible because, and and I remember speaking to a few of my um, my friends who were in school with me, mm. and some of them said, "But how can you do this job?" Yeah. Why? You know, out of so many jobs, you chose to be a security guard. Yeah. I, I didn't look at it that way. Okay. I think humility settled in. Yeah. And there's a need for a job. And uh, it was 1993 at the time. And um, yeah, I just loved every minute of it. And, and when I used to perform my duties, I performed it with passion. Okay. And what I realized is you like what you're doing. It's not a job anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not a job. You you just look forward to it. Although I was a guard and I used to report into a structure. Yeah. I still loved exactly what I did. Whatever my, my leadership threw at me, I took it as a challenge. Okay. I love challenges. Okay. So did you progress at the security company? Did you become a supervisor or something? Or did you just stay a guard? So I was a guard in... From 1993, in 1995, <coughs> I, I, I moved to a national key point in Shellen BP. Okay. I worked there for a year in 1996 where I was promoted immediately. I jumped a few ranks. Okay. Um, I, I, I became a uh, national key point supervisor. And uh, that was in 1996. And then in 1990... And, my manager saw, saw some potential in me. So whenever he was on leave or he had to travel, he, although I was the last appointed supervisor within the security structure, Shalom BP, I stood in for him as a manager. And that's where I started to learn more about leadership, how okay. to treat people. Coming from a security environment is very autocratic. Mm. Very black and Almost white. militaristic, eh? It you, is militaristic. You, you follow rank. Yes, and you know we we use the berets, three five seven shotgun, and mm. it's it's military. You you have to have discipline when you when you're working with uh, a security individuals, especially operating firearms and so forth. Okay, okay. So what happened then after grey security? Look, I um, I applied in Standard Bank. Okay. For for a, a protection officers role. 
and uh, that role entailed working on a cash van as a driver. Wow. So a cash van driver, protection officer. So we used to escort the custodians uh, to replenish the ATM machines, uh, the ATMs and uh, pick up deposits. Mm. So that was also very exciting, very risky. We knew it was a risky job. I don't want to ask about team. stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to ask about any incidents because, I mean, you look at the no, media yeah. and you see what happens to some of those cash vans. It's quite scary. Yes, Herman, we lost we lost individuals. And I remember that speaking to an individual in the morning and, you know, we had a good laugh and we had something to eat, a cup of coffee. And, so. mm. and he went on the road. I was in the, I was in the control room and a media call came through. Mm. And uh, yes, he was he was killed immediately. Wow. Um, you know, it was a shot to the head, a shot to the chest, and that's it. That's sad, eh? No, that I, was. I don't. I think we we don't always understand what those guys go through on a daily basis, eh? Yeah. I remember driving on the freeway once, and um, you know, just seeing one of those cash vans that was um, um, blown apart with with uh, um, explosives. Yeah. You know? Uh, it's just incredible and you can just imagine uh, you know what goes through your mind if, if something like that happens to you so yeah and 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 so from the cash vans what happened then Dion so in um, 19 uh, sorry 2005 we sold the business to another entity okay and uh, a few of us were working in a control room and we were earmarked to take over the business or provide the security measurements in the guest centers. Okay. And from 2005, I worked as also a PO, a protection officer in a control room, okay. doing your necessary patrols, standing and searching people with a Garrett scanner. Was that in a cash center? With, that's what in the cash center. Oh, okay. And oh. yeah, so it was also, although people look down on you, when you do that type of jobs. Yeah. To me, I, I always conducted it with passion. So, so talk to me about that because I think, as I said to you before the interview, what I've seen many times in the corporate environment is how people look down upon the security guards and the security function and people don't always see the value of that. So how did you deal with that? Because it's, it's just obvious sometimes how some of these astute businessmen and corporate leaders look down on security. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. And I don't only think it's in corporate. I think it's... It's everywhere. It's everywhere, right. you yeah. know. As soon as you look at a security guard, you you, you automatically think, ah, this guy earns 800 rand a month. Yeah. Um, he's not that intelligent. Yes. But there's more to it in, in security, and especially in South Africa. You know, What we learn... Um, in terms of OHS, it's just not security. It's health and safety, yeah. uh, the aspect of it. It's uh, taking care of assets, but more important, looking after the people. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I've obviously worked with you now since 2008. I know how serious you take that and how passionate you are about safeguarding the assets of the bank, the people of the bank. Um but how did you deal with people looking down upon you personally? Did it have an effect on you? Just how did you deal with that personally? Yes, it did. It, okay. do. it, it does genuinely have an impact on you. Okay. But 
And this your self worth. Uh... Yeah. So that it's although people look down on you, <clears throat> and and what I've learned is you will still rise up in the mornings and greet the person. Yes. And you you'll find because you're a security guard. Yeah. People walk in when you greet them. They don't greet you back. And this is what I tell my team. Mm. You will continue doing that and with a smile. Mm. So um, how big is your staff component internally and in terms of outsource uh, personnel? How big is, the, is, is your staff component now? Now it's, it's grew quite, quite huge since, since uh, I've been appointed. Yeah. And um, outsource as well. Okay. Grew, grew, grew quite uh, throughout the country. Yeah. Oh, okay. So... Um, and uh, what we try to do is, my managers and I, yeah. and, and including the outsource, because I come from an outsource. Yes, you, you've had that experience. I have that experience and I know what the client, how do we, we used to brace up for a client, stand up when he, when he walks into the control room. Okay. I know the feeling. Okay. And that's why I treat my outsource and my internal staff as the same. Yeah. Now and then, you stop and have a coffee with an outsourced person, a guard. Yeah. Tell yeah. me, what's, what's your experience? What, what do you like to do? Where do you see yourself in the next few years? Yeah. And a lot of them don't expect that from me. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you shied away from the numbers for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> Being in security, I didn't think about that question. Uh, but, but I just want to say this, it's it's a large st- uh, staff component and you yeah. have quite a big leadership challenge, you know, uh, and and moving all the way from security guard all the way to where you manage uh, yeah. so many people internally and externally, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just incredible. And the value that you guys add, you know, I mean, I've been a part of that now, I've seen it so many times. It's just incredible. Uh, you know, it's fascinating is... <clears throat> What I've noticed with security is people are always asking questions until they need it. Isn't it? You know, it's, it's, um, people always ask questions, ah, security, and then suddenly when something happens, you realize the value of it. Hey, when there's a real threat, people wake up to, to, to what the, the value of that is. Am I right? So a lot of people think you, you sit in the guardhouse. I'm talking from a guard perspective. Yeah. And you do nothing. Yeah. Or well, you, you're just walking around the building, but you're doing nothing. Yes. So, according to our, our patrols and the studies and so forth, when, you, when you're doing that work, there's always something in the mind that's of risk. Yeah. This is what you need, OHS. Where's the risk? How can I, how can I identify the risk? What measurements I need to put in the risk? Because after your patrols, you've got a list that you complete, a checklist to say. Yeah. Where's the risk? And how? What? What's your recommendation? Okay. And that's what I will speak to you. And most, most of my my ideas, new ideas, mm. the new innovative ideas, believe you not, comes from the security guards. Yeah. <clears throat> the people who are actually physically doing the work on the front line. On the front line. Yeah, I love that. And just, just <clears throat> a story I would like to tell you. Um, when we built one of the cash centers. Yeah. Um, it was a fully automated cash center. Mm. And, well, there was a blind spot where they didn't think 
of a trolley going past a certain area. Something small, but I would like to discuss it. Yeah. I'd like to bring it to your attention. And we all sat in the boardroom, senior managers, deciding how do we do this process in terms of system thinking? What process we need to follow yeah. manually? Yeah. And um, I needed to do something, so I went down to the control room. And as I was walking past, two guards were standing outside and so let me bounce this idea out of them. <laughs> you know, so from, to, the, from the boardroom to the security. Yeah, guys. so I said, <laughs> we need to bring the trolley through here and the stable yeah. and all this machinery. How do, we, how do we get this process going? What do you suggest? Mm. The guard turned around and told me, instead of putting a table, just put a flip table. I said, what do you mean? He says, one of the tables that you stand against the wall, and drop it from time to time with a stand so it will be against the wall <laughs> and then you can bring this through and yet in the boardroom we were deciding to break walls <laughs> yeah and there's a guy who works with it every day every that day. gives you the simple solution simple yeah. solution yeah. i was so impressed yeah. when i went to the board you know i always believe the greatest knowledge of your business is on the edges you know out there where people every day your client facing people yeah and instead of listening to them, you have smart guys sitting in boardrooms strategically trying to solve issues and they're so far removed from it, you know. So that's a brilliant example. I really, really like that, you know, because um, one of my questions was, how have you looked to innovate and experiment in your leadership role? And I think uh, a good answer is going to the front lines. Absolutely. Speaking to the people who deal with it every day. Absolutely. You know, sometimes we, we are put in positions because our our academic background yeah. and where do we come? Sometimes yeah. some of us are accountants mm -hmm. and then we go into an operations and we don't really understand the dynamics on the ground yeah. unless we ask the people on the ground. Yes. And also what I identified, Herman, is people on the ground do have the brilliant ideas. Yeah. We just need to tap into their mm. resources. Yeah. So, Diana, I like this conversation because we're basically touching on most of the principles. You know, we've touched on humility, rehumanization, gratitude, integrity. I mean, your story is one of resilience. And now, I mean, today we're talking about innovation. Uh, I really like that. What I appreciate most about your life is how you've reinvented and innovated yourself. I mean, just talk about your academic journey. So where, where did you start studying in this process? So when I was uh, in... In the, in the outsource uh, company, um, I used to stand at the door welcoming the people. Yeah. And when they used to swipe their cards, they should go in. Yeah. So there was this individual. He was an auditor, a very young guy. So as soon as he used to come in, he opens his bag. I should check his bag. Hello, how are you? Good morning. And this guy he used to spend about five seconds staring at me. And he used to go in. And every day he used to do that. So I asked him one day. Hey, I noticed the... Why are you checking me out? Well, dude? Yeah, I'm supposed to be checking you out. <laughs> so he yeah. swiped his card and I, and I remember it very clearly. He swiped his card and he went on the other side of the turnstile. And he turned around and he says, Dion, do you know where I come from? Do you know what I do? I said, yes, you're an auditor. He says, yes, but do you know how I got here? He says, no. He says, I used to pack 
I was a packer in checkers. And at night, I used to study. And that's how I got here. Wow. So I looked at him and he, and he smiled at me and he walked away. Mm. So immediately on my first off day, I went and enrolled in Intech College with a certificate in security management. Wow. He had a, such a, again, Herman, um, mm. it's words. Yeah. It's what? What do you tell a person, whether it's a negative or it's positive? So can I just stop there, Dion? You know what I like about what you're saying now is that sometimes to get people to grow and progress, our words can get them to innovate and reinvent themselves. You know, it's sort of an, we, we communicate value to people in the words that we use. So let's take a step back. And we spoke about the gods. <clears throat> Yeah. And we spoke about people on the ground yeah. knowing a lot of things yeah. and how to solve problems and how to innovate. Yeah. They have the solutions, but sometimes they don't even know it. Yeah. And when you speak to them yeah. and you use that selective words, you might just ignite something yeah. you know, for them to start thinking. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, because if you treat them like they don't have value, they won't. But if you treat them with words and respect, you know, yeah. as if they have value, they will bring value to the table. Innovative value. Yeah. Innovative value. Yeah. Um, for me, innovation is producing creative ideas, original creative ideas that have value. You know? Yes. And the guys who work on the front line every day, they want to improve and they have the best suggestions that most probably will add value to your business. No, absolutely. Yeah. They, they are the ones that are doing the physical work. Yeah, yeah. You're just managing them. So from your, from your certificate, how long did that take you to finish in uh, security year. management in year? And then after year. that? Then after that, I joined Standard Bank in uh, 1998. Yes. Then in, in, in 2004, I did a banking certificate to institution of bankers. Okay. And that took me about two years. Okay. And then in after that, I did a security management diploma with UNISA. Okay. And that I completed three years. Yes. Advanced diploma completed in 2007. Okay. And then? And in 2007, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. So... So do I continue in security? Yeah. Because I love the knowledge mm. and I understand and I lack knowledge. So okay, I I completed my I'm I went to enroll for a forensic investigation. Yeah. Because I love investigating yes, things, you know. Yes. Very curious. Okay. So got a very curious mind. Yeah. And um, yeah, at the same time, you know, I was introduced by you with Monash, yeah. the leadership. Yeah, aspect of it. So I graduated in the same year with the both yep. degrees um, in 2000 and 2011. Yeah, 2011. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And then in 2015, I I noticed that I know I know security, and when I'm sitting in the meetings, and as I was was getting promoted, I was exposed to people within the bank mm. or people outside the bank which know business 
and that was my gap yeah so i enrolled in 2015 with monash for an mba mm -hmm. which i completed in 2017 yeah so i had a quite a good combination in terms of business yeah and security yeah and uh and, i mean it's incredible um you know when you when you did your mba your thesis was also on security it's also on security Okay. Yes, it, it was uh, on business model security, evaluating the Nigerian business model, model and we comparing it to the South African business model and okay. looking at the gaps. Okay. Because South African business model looked very um, advanced and lucrative compared to your your Nigerian business model. Okay. Okay. And then. <clears throat> I mean, you took a bit of a break after the MBA, and then uh, last year you started your doctorate in business administration at Da Vinci. Yeah, just let me and correct you that it's actually a, a doctorate in management of technology and innovation. That's right. That's what they call it. Sorry yeah. about that. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, what do you what do you what are you going to look to study uh, in terms of your thesis, your research for your doctorate? So, Alman. Having a security background or experience, yeah, and also some academic knowledge, yeah. looking at the crime rates and being in the field, being in the industry, looking at the crime rate in Johannesburg, I felt there's a need to do something. Mm. I felt obligated. Okay. And, and also a part of the bank strategy is the SEE, social, environmental and economic social and how do we give back to the community okay but but deep down personally there was a need for me to use my experience and the academic and put it together okay and also when we have meetings with the external groups or crime fighting uh, fraternities and jmpd and saps we notice yes they have a strategy but is that strategy enough did they look at it from an operational and have got a reactive approach where we can use our academics knowledge, what's best practice, what other countries are doing, and integrate it mm -hmm. to develop a framework that it can assist the crime fighting agencies. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm busy researching on. Okay. Developing a framework that can assist the agencies, the respective agency, an integrated framework. Okay, great stuff. That sounds great. Um, so, um, Dion, I think your learning and, and progress, I mean, that's the impact on your culture. Hey, if you innovate and you experiment, you mentioned you have a curious mind. Um, I, I think we've covered a lot. Um, and, and I see we've already been talking for a half an hour. Yes, which, I didn't see that. Yeah, which is incredible. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. So um, <clears throat> I think you inspire so many people, I mean, at, at the bank, in and around you, in your teams. I know a lot of people have come to you, spoken to you, and I think your words, like you received words of encouragement from the auditor, uh, you know, you've, you've done the same for so many people. Uh, is, is there something else you'd like to say to leaders listening today, maybe a final message from your side? Look, um, Herman, you know, there's one word that just stands up, is humility. Mm. 
Humility. Yeah. Humility. Mm. We might know. We might think we know everything. Mm. But we, we are learning every every day. Yeah. More importantly, we can learn from our juniors, the people on the ground. Mm. They have that innovative mind because they deal with big many things. Yeah. All we need to do is direct them to implement it or experiment. Yes, with them. So that experiment, what your book says, curiosity and experimentation. Yeah. You know, let's get them to be curious all the time. Yeah. We have to be curious all the time. If we don't become curious, there is no room for the next step in terms of innovating mm. and then your experimentation. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. Thanks, Dion. Thanks for your time. Thanks for making the time to be here. And all the best with your, your doctorate and all the responsibility you have. And I, I, I believe it's going to make an impact in our country. And uh, yeah, just um, thank you for your example. Um, you know, I think it's uh, it's been great working with you now for over 15 years. Yes. Uh, you know, and we've uh, we've come to know each other quite well. So keep going, you know, and you. Uh, I look forward to to the, the contribution you're still going to make, not only to the bank, but obviously to the security industry as well. Thank you, Herman, and it's nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening to the Temba Tandega Leadership Institute podcast, specialists in organizational behavior. In this podcast, we discuss leadership and staff engagement and how organizations can improve it. If you need more information to assist you with staff engagement and leadership, please visit our website at www.ttli.co.za or email us at office at ttli.co.za. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Would you like to stand a chance to win a copy of Herman's book titled Lead with Intent? then please share and like this podcast on your social media platforms. We will contact the winners when the competition ends.